0: This is Teresa from Santosha Yoga. I'm Cindy Chase. And I'm Penny Carroll. Welcome Welcome to to Mindful Moments. Hi, this is Penny. Today I'm interviewing Jill Mazur, just so you can get to know her a little better. She's one of the yoga instructors at Santosha Yoga, but you might not know her because she teaches only on Wednesday mornings. So if you're a yogi that comes in the afternoons or evenings, you might have missed her. So I'm looking forward to helping you get to know her better. here in Chesterfield. I'm not giving away a lot of extra information there, but is this where you grew up? Are you
1: from this area? I grew up in Elginac, only 20 minutes to the east, um, and was there my entire life until I left for college, went to school in Flint, met my now husband. What college? Kettering is now Kettering. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got married right out of school and bought a home here in Chesterfield, a couple of miles north of where I am now, and then moved here and started our family. Well, wow, so you're really close to where you
0: grew, grew up. up. Yeah,
1: not too far. Yeah. Do
0: you ever drive through there and go, ooh, I remember when?
1: I go back frequently because my parents are still there. Oh, okay. So I spend a lot of time in the summer there with the kids, and my brother and sister are still local as well. In fact, my sister's in the neighborhood. My brother's just in Royal Oak, so we get together often. Nice. Yeah. What's What's special about where you grew up? The water, unique. Everything um, pertained to the water there because it's the St. Clair River mm-hmm. f- passes right through. So we spent a lot of time on the water, boating, swimming, fishing. So that's a huge part of my life.
0: Yeah, you're a little fish. Yeah you're not an aquarius are you no pisces aries air oh yeah. so, wow fire and water listen to you does that explain your personality i think so <laughs> kind of a little bit of a this a little, and a little bit a little, of
1: that a little this and that and sparks here and
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um what did you study at kettering
1: manufacturing systems engineering Ooh. so i'm a spreadsheet engineering kind of mentality person that's my comfort zone so the yoga world is the complete opposite of that
0: right (laughs) right or not which is interesting if if you were to think about systems and biomechanics of bodies and some of those theories maybe there's some similarities
1: yes definitely a crossover so I left that world um in nine to five fashion after the kids were born I ended up staying home and transitioning into um, teaching fitness classes. Right, Be- so
0: are you an ACE certified fitness instructor?
1: It's changed names a couple times. Now, um, I'm currently with AFA, American Fitness Association of America, or whatever their initials are these days, and they've combined with somebody else. But uh, yes, approximately 13, 14 years ago, that's when I began that journey, after Kayla was born. Okay. And what sort
0: of fitness classes were you teaching at that time? And and was it just so that you could make your own hours, or how did you fall into that?
1: I fell into it because after Kayla was born, I decided I need to get back back into shape, (laughs) get my mind back, you know, all that. I had had three kids in less than five years. Oh, wow. And so it was a matter of my neighbor inviting me to attend a fitness class, which I had never done in my entire life. I had never taken a class and paid money to exercise because I was always doing something. Um, So I just never had paid money for it before. The concept was foreign to me. But I went and I took my first class and I fell in love with it and then I took another and another, and the instructor ended up leaving.
0: So we're not talking about like CrossFit or anything. Was it, was, it aerobics the, the first time? one
1: was like a, an aerobics class, okay. yes. And then I moved into a cardio kickboxing class. Oh. Not that we put gloves on, but all the moves and then was strength training added on to it.
0: So I'm like a kid from the 80s. I think we're about the same age, but all I'm thinking of is Tai <laughs>
1: No. A little different. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was really invigorating. But my instructor notified me she was moving. She was heading south. And I'm like, well, who's going to teach the class? She's like, well, how about you? And so that's how I became an instructor. Basically, I slipped into her slot because she left. And so then that was my journey. It worked out when the kids were young because I did it at night. And then once they were all in school full time, I moved to the morning. But in the morning, it was a different crowd, right? You didn't have people coming in from after work anymore. You had retirees. And so I moved from a high-intensity type class to a senior fitness class, and I fell in love. So my instructor left... Um, to move out of town and I ended up being able to fall into her time slot and um, started teaching a high impact, you know, strength training classes for a while at night. And then all the kids were in school and I moved to daytime classes because it was easier to do it while they were at school and then run all the carpool duties at night. So moving into daytime gave me um, a whole different crowd of people. I was then re- um, instructing more of retirees. Mm. And so I learned how to adjust my whole not going jumping jacks to a little bit different heart rate pace and uh, fell in love with the outcome of just knowing that these women weren't coming in to be bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. They were coming in because they hadn't taken care of themselves in a lot of years. And this was their first time taking doing something for themselves oh, nice. and so it was really heartwarming right um and really a nice experience and so that's transitioned into i think how i teach my yoga classes as well is more of focused on helping people feel the best that they can
0: right so how long did you do that before you found yoga i'm assuming
1: it was a you while you
0: found and were practicing yoga before you went into teacher training
1: Yes, so I was doing the cardio classes for about three or four years before I discovered yoga. And actually, funny story, Teresa was my first teacher, but not at Santosha because she didn't have a studio yet. Right. I was one of the um, people taking it from her at an off-satellite campus, right. if you will. And I did a six-week session. I was like, what? We're going to lay down at the end of class? <laughs> and I that's, did no and that's clue. exercise? Right? <laughs> what? What is this shavasana? I didn't know how to spell it, say it, none of that. So that was a weird experience. But then. Was it,
0: was it hard for you? It
1: was. Because I had to slow down.
0: Not just mentally, but also physically.
1: Physically and mentally challenging. And so then I didn't go back. I was like, yeah, that was a good experience. Well, then my sister invited me to a class at Santosha. And she's like, yeah, there's this Theresa May. And I'm like, wait a second. So I went in when we had the smaller studio mm-hmm. and took a couple classes. And was like, oh, now I'm getting what yoga is. And then I started becoming more regular. And one day at the end of a class, I'm like, all of a sudden the wheel, it like it clicked. That click of I'm not doing this for physical activity anymore this is for my mental well-being Nice. and then shortly after that I inquired about teacher training
0: so with the fitness background and then with the yoga as you fell into that and have been practicing for some time and now are a yoga instructor um, do you think yoga is a sport or a fitness activity
1: I can see it for people who come into it looking for that aspect like there's a I would say yoga in itself is like this huge umbrella right and so you have these little silos where you have the community that just wants the tight butt and then you have another group of people that wants the philosophy and I think that for some mindsets, it is, but I do believe that even if you're in a high, a hot yoga, you're flowing through super fast and you're getting all the physical aspects, you're accidentally getting the mental aspects as well. I think it still happens.
0: Um, and one of the questions I had written down, because I know that you're also an avid golfer,
1: I do golf occasionally, and yes. Do
0: you bowl as well? I know your kids do.
1: Uh, I'm very recreational.
0: Okay, but yes. you are a golfer.
1: I, I used to golf a lot. I've taken a few years off here, but I Handic- might go tomorrow. Handicap? Oh, that'd be terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> My kids are fantastic. Okay. I go to support them now.
0: Oh, all right. <laughs> But because you kind of have that competitive side. Yes. And then you have the physical side with the fitness background and then the yoga. And then all I can think of is how um, sports and fitness really is so cross-cultural. Yes. But from the beginning of time to now. So do you find that they all sort of intertwine and help your
1: way of living? Absolutely. How so? Yeah, I think that you need... Um, You need balance in all aspects, right? So I think you need to have Something that you're passionate about for some people that might be running. Um, I Like spending time outdoors So that's where Kurt and I prior to kids golfed quite a bit It was a beautiful way to be outdoors while getting physical activity I think when we take care of our bodies physically, we also take care of our bodies internally. And so it it has to be married together. Right.
0: So you've been teaching for five years, practicing for a little longer than that. What perspectives of yoga have changed since you became a yoga teacher?
1: I came into it in not knowing the philosophy at all. Um, it was totally foreign to me. Sanskrit was definitely a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, I understand how I probably knew a more. We don't give ourselves enough credit of just knowing what we don't know, I guess. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, the yoga philosophy is a way of living that we actually all do every day. We just aren't aware of it. Oh, good. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a great way that's, to look at it. It's really ingrained in everyone. It's unlocking those little keys to figure it out that this is really a good thing. Um, and so I guess I've just kind of adapted to more understanding the philosophy more and then recognizing it in my daily life so that I can spread that information in a way that's um, a little easier for people to understand, I hope.
0: Right. So what what makes a good life?
1: Balance. Mm-hmm. Balance.
0: How do I do that? Mind, body, and spirit. How do we do that? Please give us <laughs> instructions.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I've really, you know, good, good question. When I find out, I'll let you know. But I really do believe it comes down to balance. You need the yin and the yang. You need the strong and the soft. You need to be kind hearted. We need to take time for ourselves. We have to learn how to relax. I think that us Americans are high strong, high intensity, and and it's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to relax. And that's what I loved about restorative yoga is because People come dashing in the door, oh, traffic, and it's like 60 minutes later, they're walking out drooling because <laughs> like, they finally let their bodies relax. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we need that balance so that we don't burn ourselves out.
0: Right, and how is your yoga teaching? How is your instructing different now, five years after um, when you were first a teacher?
1: Oh, much more, at the very beginning, it was very mechanical. I was very worried about making sure that I instructed where the feet and the hands and the hips and everything goes, which is very important, right? We want anatomical correct positions so we don't hurt ourselves. That's definitely a focus. But I think now a lot of my messages are more heartfelt, um, digging deeper into the internal side of how we are emotionally, how we are well-being wise because taking care of our well-being you know like what the words we say to ourselves in our own minds is as important if not more important than what we're doing physically um, on the outside so I think I've softened my my messages to be all about love
0: oh wow and I've been to some of your classes back when I could go on Wednesday morning. And often you use um, quotes and readings in your teachings. Do you just share things that have already spoken to you, or um, do you keep a list? Um, Do you want to share a favorite passage with us?
1: I. It's funny. I don't necessarily read books front to back. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, Dr. Wayne Dyer's books, I tend to just open up. And whatever page opens that day is the one that was supposed to be read, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And so I will do that a lot. Um, Rumi's another one, his book of poems. Mm -hmm. I'll just open it up and read the first one that I see on the page and does it strike a chord? If it doesn't, try again. And one of those pages is going to strike a chord. And that's the one that I go with because when it touches you internally then I feel like it was meant to be sent out there so I do have um I have two from Wayne Dyer that I shared with other people the one says most people are searching for happiness outside themselves that's a fundamental mistake happiness is something that you are and it comes from the way that you think so that really hurts sometimes when people hear that, like, well, it's not my fault, right? We, we we have a lot of excuses for a lot of things sometimes. But when you pare it all down, I think that we just need to heal. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of my yoga teaching is just hoping that if even if it's just one cell inside somebody's body that has healed mm-hmm. in that time that they've been in class, then I did okay.
0: And that healing, is that, in your opinion, is that just physical or is it emotional, mental? Is it the original mother wound? What sort of healing are you
1: talking about? All the above, whatever it is at that point in time. Because I think we bounce between all of that, depending on the day and the time and the second. We bounce through all these different channels. And I think that that's the most important part is um, identifying where the hurt is, and healing. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And in the healing, you are now a young, living, independent distributor of oils. Yes. And is that part of your healing path?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, I discovered essential oils about the same time I discovered yoga. I definitely, um, you know, coming, we mentioned I was an engineer, so mm-hmm. I was very scientific based on everything. Everything was mechanical, you know, periodic table, and all of this other stuff I would have just laughed at 25 <laughs> years ago. It's just
0: foo-foo. Right? Right?
1: right? Um, that's where I was in that stage of life. Uh, I didn't appreciate or comprehend the the nice, softer sides of things. And now, looking back, it was like, well, I was probably searching and didn't know that's what I was searching for. Um, Were you
0: maybe holding and protecting yourself from that vulnerability?
1: The whole healing process, right? right? You put up tons of walls. And so um, essential oils have definitely been... Um, Now a huge part of my life, I love to share. I love teaching. Um, You know, when I was in elementary school, I used to come home from school and play teacher um, because I always thought I would be a teacher one day. Mm -hmm. So in a way, now I am. Just right. not in an elementary school,
0: <laughs> right? And not with a periodic table, but kind right. of because it's very chemical-based. Oils, I mean, chemical.
1: absolutely yes. It can be. It can get as nerdy as you want it to get, but I think that they're amazing. Uh, an amazing tool, just like our yoga practice is an amazing tool. The Ayurvedic medicine um, practice is amazing. All of those holistic things are. Uh, definitely needed and powerful in our daily lives. I look at the oils um, in two different ways and people are like two. I'm like well there's a lot of reasons you come to them but one is either a physical aspect or the other is an emotional aspect and the beauty of it is you don't have to understand why or how it's working just trust and it does. So I love it.
0: That's great. What's your favorite? If you have to pick just one, or maybe I can give you two, because I know there's a lot. (laughs) Um, what's your, what favorite oil could you never give up and why?
1: Stress Away. Oh,
0: that's (laughs) a good one.
1: It's a blend. So Mm -hmm. technically it's not just one. It's composed of, I think, five oils, but, um, it was my first and still is my favorite. I keep a bottle in my purse. I'm almost never without it. Um, because it just calms me down. Mm-hmm. And it just lets me do exactly what it says. It melts the stress away. And again, I don't have to understand which receptor that molecule is going to, but it flips the switch. It's like an electrical circuit switch. You turn the the switch on on the wall and within milliseconds, the light switch turns on the light bulb. And in essential oils, you rub it into your skin, and within 15 to 20 minutes, it's flipped the switch, and you're feeling the effects. So I love that.
0: (laughs) Stress away. Any other one?
1: Uh, Frankincense. Oh, good, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Not just for Christmas, huh? Not just for Christmas. Definitely not. Um, For a while there, we all ebb and weave out of our um, practice and everything, and for quite some time, I was dropping a drop of frankincense on the top of my head before Class. And I just felt like when I did that, it was like whew, everything just opens up. Um, and then sometimes I I move in and out of which oils I put on before I teach, mm-hmm. just to help me stay um, focused and clear and be able to send those messages out there.
0: And Jill, I also know that you are a certified aromatherapist. Like you have all the initials after your name. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was.
0: Talk to me about becoming a certified aromatherapist.
1: That was fun. Um, That was a journey I chose to do because I wanted. So, this is
0: after yoga teacher training, after um, distributing young living oils. Yep.
1: So, this was just uh, two years ago, I finished that um, training program. It was um, through a school in New York, uh, School of Aromatic Studies. And I did an online course with them, but it was a very interactive course. Um, So lots of modules, learning chemistry and blending and um, getting into the roots of a lot of the most common oils, like eucalyptus and lavender and peppermint and those kinds of things. And um, at the end, I had to do case studies, which made me feel good about this company and getting that certificate. So I have a level one. Now, if you were going to go see a, a person, an apothecary, I would hope that they were a level three or four or five, right? Okay. A lot more experience. Um, but I did get level one certified. So um, I had to do case studies, which was super cool. I asked friends and family. I just threw it out there into the world and said, hey, who wants to experiment with me? And so I had a lot of volunteers. Um, I ended up with 10. I needed five. Wow. So I basically sat down with people and we developed they told me what their concerns were and I developed an essential oil and concerns plane.
0: everything from medical issues to it was, other things going on
1: um, it was a, some things were of, of physical nature and others were of mental nature okay. so I had a good gamut some of it was skin some of it was bellies some of it was it was just a, there was a gamut okay. and so I took my teaching and I developed a little regimen for each person and then they came back with results and then I had to write that all up and turn it into the school and they either say Nah, you haven't figured it out yet or yep you're good to go you've got this figured out and get your certificate
0: Okay, Jill, now's the part where I'm gonna ask you just some completely random cl- uh, questions that might not have anything to do with yoga. Are you game? Okay. All right, and this is just <laughs> in our bed to get to know you a little bit sure. better. All right, do you see yourself as a gardener
1: or a builder? And explain which. Ooh, I think there's a crossover there. I like to garden, but I also like to build things because I think they kind of do intertwine with one another Um, but I would probably say gardener for the fact of planting seeds and then seeing what happens as things germinate and grow because you really don't know what you're going to get so I'm going to go with gardener okay
0: among your family and friends what are you famous for?
1: organization.
0: No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so as we started this interview, I came in to tell Jill that I spent all day organizing my closet and my dresser, that I'm doing this whole Marie Kondo thing because I have the weekend to myself. And then over the weekend, I've got different rooms and different projects planned. And I was surprised at how, um, how, Little time it took to just throw out a bunch of stuff, but that's your that's your gig. You like to do that.
1: Well, I like to organize. I like to plan and make sure there's as few surprises as possible. Um, surprises throw me off a little bit. So I don't does not mean that I'm um, organized in all aspects of my life or house or anything else. You're gonna find plenty of scrolled away messes but it's an organized chaos
0: nice so list maker
1: yeah yeah
0: but you believe in fate of just opening the book to find the.
1: exactly isn't that interesting yeah yeah definitely kind of back to that
0: aries that water fire thing
1: and the interesting (laughs) thing too is and close your ears boss um, some of my best classes that i have taught have never been written down
0: nice
1: because if i have a script i feel tied to the script anchored to it and it hurts me um i'm better to have a concept have ideas have an um in in almost everything just have a framework and then flow with the audience
0: and so does that come after you've taught for a while because you you know the students that usually show up for your classes and uh, you're comfortable in the environment now you trust yourself a little bit more i
1: definitely do right absolutely if i if i had scripted everything down to the minute it would fail miserably so instead allow myself to have a framework and then weave in and out of it as need be so still organized but enough creativity yeah some
0: room to to flow right Um, Besides yoga, what two groups do you belong to where you know the most people?
1: Ooh. Hmm. I I have a large network now with the essential oil community. I feel like that is another... Group that I belong to that is like-minded and has um, the mindset of helping people be the best part of themselves. The yoga community obviously um, is amazing in that way. And then I still have a a good group of people from my previous non-yoga and oil life that um, are really good about that too.
0: One of my favorite interviewers finishes his interviews um, with some "Would you rather" questions. Are you game for that?
1: Okay, let's play. Right. So
0: it's just going to be. I think I've got um, I've got four that I'm going to ask you. All right. Okay. And um, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music, or be forced to sing along any to any song you heard? I dance. You're a dancer. I would dance. Shake your groove thing. Sure are you a dancer I um, at the random wedding you're the person out there
1: I like to dance I feel um, again the creativity like just whatever am I good absolutely not but <laughs> it just movement movement I think is a common theme throughout everything I've done sports yoga whatever movement, movement.
0: would you rather have limitless international first-class tickets or never have to pay for food at restaurants
1: I think I want to travel. You I would travel. rather travel. I love going new places. Um, the last two summers, we haven't taken any super big vacations. Um, we've been doing the college tours instead. But prior to that, every summer, for many summers in a row, we took the kids and we went far away places in the United States. Okay, we did cross the borders, okay. not internationally, but you know. Those are some of the most magnificent memories because one, you're you're experiencing new landscape, environments, and people. Our country, we are not all alike. No, yeah. and it is so cool. It's cool. It's okay. It is so it's the cool. About us. It is so cool to go to South Dakota and go into a local non-chain restaurant and just listen to the. Waitress talk Mm -hmm. because it's so cool to get to know people that way Um, or whatever, you know, um, all across our country. So, yeah, I would travel.
0: All right. Would you rather change gender every time you sneeze or not know the difference between a baby and a muffin? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I get these questions That is
1: hysterical. I... I would probably change gender. Yeah. For a different aspect of.
0: Well, are you pers- one of those people that when you sneeze, you sneeze like five times in a row? No,
1: okay. so I don't. You would change so, gender and, and then, be that for a while. For a while. And and understand and appreciate from a different lens what the world is like. Cool. Right? Yeah.
0: that's, cause, that's very open of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one. Would you
1: rather be a mermaid or a unicorn? Oh, that is so funny because I'm i surrounded by both types of people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the unicorn, though. Even though I grew up on the water mm-hmm. and I, you know, at one point in life probably had gills, I would go with the unicorn.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, Jill, thank you for your time today. I feel like we've really gotten to know you, your, um, your take on yoga, and then all of your other interests that intertwine with your yoga practice, your yoga teaching, and I look forward to taking a class with you again. Thank you, Penny.